Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. Hey, John, how you doing today? I am doing so great, Zach. It's my very first day of spring break. Nice. Uh, same I know. With Sh- same with Shyla. Really? Yeah. Are you, she's are you guys doing anything week. fun for next week? Oh, man. She is getting a massage and a pedicure and her hair done. That sounds great. That sounds yes. like a perfect spring break. Yeah, all it'll the be kids, fun for her. All the kids were like, are you going anywhere? And I'm like, no, I'm just hanging out at home. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get to go golfing a couple times. Yeah. The thing kids don't understand is when you're an adult and you have a home and you pay that much money for it, if you get a week to be in your home, that's that's a vacation. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing all right. So I, you can kind of hear it in the last episode we published. Um, I, I had a bit of a cough. I've actually been like sick for about a month. But it was like just coughing occasionally and like a kind of sore throat. Oh, that but stinks. It, but it flared up last week and then it flared up again this week and got like so bad I couldn't talk and like it hurt to swallow. And yeah. I went to we a- haven't recorded in like uh, a week and a half or or maybe even a little bit longer than that. I know you've been going to like music shows a bunch and apparently sick also yeah probably not to to say good to say that but like i had been sick long enough and no one else around me had gotten sick i was like this isn't contagious and oh, i'm just guessing like, it wasn't covid for sure no so it wasn't i got tested it wasn't covid it wasn't mono and it wasn't strep those were the three things that the doctor thought it sounded like and i was like i'm telling you i've had two of those before and it doesn't feel like that i Call me crazy, but I, I used WebMD, and I was like, I think it's an infection in my lymph nodes because my lymph nodes were swollen, and because those can affect stuff, you know, around them. And I was like, I think I just need, like, a steroid or something to knock out an infection. And they were like, yeah, okay, well, we're not really going to consider that. Just take allergy medicine. Did it work? I Eventually? Don't- no man i'm still something's going on with me i because i think it's still an infection not an allergy well webheads send your thoughts and prayers to zach please he's got swollen lymph nodes um i've got a cool spider-man hat on that i bought at the uh for our webheads that can't see us it's it's a red it's a red hat with a blue spider-man logo but instead of the middle it's a dollar sign uh point your head down again i'm gonna take a picture yeah that's going on the instagram that's good they can also see that my students and i are working on quadratic equations right now in eighth grade math so i have what has to be the the, what has to look like a crazy person's ramblings (laughs) on my whiteboard behind me it looks like you're a marvel universe scientist and like Does it? <laughs> that's that's all your your work towards whatever well it's actually like very simple ways to solve eighth grade math i just tried to get all the different ways on one board nice yeah um well on that i don't have anything else okay i think we're rolling we are rolling so like we said in the intro 
This is First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we usually would cover Ultimate Spider-Man. But as luck would have it, where we are in our coverage is the perfect time to start looking at a different series in that universe, um, which is kind of the flagship series of the universe. It's something that uh, is coming back later this year to some degree. And it also follows up on what we were just doing in the team up series. So today we're not going to be looking at anything that contains Spider-Man. We're going to be looking at the ultimates issues one, two, and three. So would you say this series was kind of like the catalyst for the MCU being made? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And as we go through those, the, like the issues after this, I think you'll just see that more and more. I think there will be times where you say out loud, Oh, this is exactly like the Avengers movie. Well, there were a couple moments today that I kind of just wrote at the end of my notes for each episode that were like, you know, shot for shot from different movies. Um, but there weren't that many. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can, I, I mean, I definitely figured it was the inspiration, but I was just wondering. Yeah. I'm sure you know about like Marvel's like bankruptcy problems and like how the MCU came to be in that regard. Do you? Um, vaguely. Um, well, maybe we can save it for the end since neither yeah, of us have it, something extra to talk about. Well, it sounds like maybe you're more like your knowledge would be more correct about it where mine would be like approximate. Or I can at least sound more confident saying it. Yeah. You are good okay. at selling things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are we ready to get into it? Get a word from our sponsor? I think so. I think on the note of uh, selling things and not scamming people, we should throw it over to the Better Business Bureau. Take it away. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at bbb.org. Okay, we're back. We're in our episode 14, which is really our 15th episode, which is uh, not, you know, um, that, that's a milestone, I think. You think so? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's the age Peter <laughs> just, Parker just is. Just now when I was set. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Even though he's but not in definitely. this episode. Um, and we're probably... Oh my gosh, and we're exactly 15 years from when the first Iron Man movie came out, because it was 2008, wasn't it? So, this yeah, is and, kismet. And we're going to look at some Iron Man stuff. Yes. So, we've got the Ultimates issue 1 through 3. Issue 1, titled Superhuman, written by Mark Millar, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry. Right away in this, I said, fantastic cover. It's like a big sprawling picture of a bunch of the Avengers 
Ant-Man, or I guess, it, I guess he's more Giant-Man in this. He's not, we never hear him called Ant-Man, at least not yet, but he's called Giant-Man and he's humongous and Thor has his axe and Captain America has a shield and, and all the Avengers are standing around and Zach, have you ever seen the meme? And if you haven't, then I want you to just go on Google real quick and type in Captain America always looks like, and then you'll see like a result that you can click on. Okay. And it's pretty funny. It's what I immediately thought of. It always looks like a bird just <laughs> flew away with his hot dog. <laughs> and that is exactly what he looks like on this cover. Also, he's just like staring up and to the right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? That is very funny. Um, uh, so this one's superhuman, and it looks like we're going back to World War II. And I'm pretty hyped because Captain America, the first Avenger, is one of my favorite MCU movies. I think it's very underrated by the general public. For sure. Okay. I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. <laughs> So, we open on an army of planes flying over the North Atlantic in 1945. The soldiers are joking around a bit about their mission and how they're all going to get killed. And But they're just kind of like joking around about it. You know, there's lots of camaraderie happening, I feel like. And then, but one of them is kind of getting, neg you know, he's like being a little more negative. And, and one of the soldiers says, did Hitler pay you with dollars or Deutschmarks to lower morale? And then the one says back, buddy, morale couldn't be any lower if my mother-in-law was on board. Woof. So, and on page two, uh, I'm no longer really feeling the camaraderie from these guys because they're starting to to talk more about how they're, they're probably all on like a death mission here, or at least the one is because the soldiers have some super weapon. It's kind of like a prototype of an atomic bomb they call it a hydrogen bomb uh, and it can flatten cities and the u.s is just sending in like team after team of soldiers just hoping someone can break it but it sounds like a lot of soldiers have been thrown at this mission before and they and they have not succeeded and then we see james buchanan barnes who says well we've got a secret weapon of our own up here and the first soldier who's being really negative says Captain America is just going to die down there with the rest of us. And he calls Cap a star-spangled phony who gets 18-year-olds excited about signing up for the military. First thoughts on uh, on this plane ride? I think it's it's setting the scene really well. I mean, this is like, you know, it's not like this is, you know, building any of these characters up because they don't matter. We're not going to be following them in the present day obviously but you know it tells you a lot about captain america and like the fact that you know it like people kind of don't know if he's like you know a myth or a legend like like yeah. is this guy is this guy for real or is he just a pr stunt yeah late later on he gets called something like the guardian of uh some mission or like the the demolisher of the battle of doomsday, which is a doctor who thing. I can't think of what I'm saying. It's in my notes later on, but <laughs> I think they said Normandy. I think they, yeah, the battle of D day. That's what yeah. I was trying to think of. I was like, why am I thinking doomsday? You know, that little thing. Yeah. 
which I I okay I'll I'll get to it when they talk about that. But I of course had to Google because I did some World War II research when I came across things because I was like I didn't know I don't know the timing of World War II very well. Um, so anyway, uh, Cap calmly asks Bucky. He's like listening from the corner, just not really saying anything. He just calmly asks Bucky to reassure the men that he hasn't lost a crew in three years. And he pulls out a picture of someone named Gail, not the Peggy Carter that I knew from the movies. Okay, real quick. <laughs> Got to jump in here because we're hitting on a lot of things real fast. So uh, It's how- Gail Richards. Are you about to tell me that this is a Reed Richards relation? Because I was going to ask you about that. Two things. So first, even before that, when he says he hasn't lost a crew in, crew member in three years – You know, as Americans, we like to pretend like, you know, we're back to back World War champs and, you know, we we beat these, you know, enemies or whatever. But it's like in reality, in both world wars, we jumped in with like less than a year and a half left of fighting. So him saying that he hasn't lost a crew member in three years, it's like, dude, who were you fighting for those three years? Because we weren't in Europe. I'm Googling when did the U.S. enter World War II. 1944. And from my – well, this says the United States began to provide significant supplies and other assistance in 1940, even though the United States did not enter the war until December of 1941. That's on the Pacific front. As far as we know, Captain America never fought on the Pacific front. Let's see. When did Pearl Harbor happen? 1941. Oh, so so we didn't start. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, 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 I don't know what he was doing. He was fighting Hydra, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't know in this universe. I know. And that might be one of my critiques with this issue is maybe I, I wanted a little more info, but. You know, we'll get to it. Okay. And then the second thing, Gail Richards. Yes. I had the same thought as you because I I didn't recognize that name at all. Like, that's not a character that I was familiar with in the main Marvel continuity. And I thought, surely anyone with the last name of Richards is going to end up being, like, you know, related to Reed Richards. And that's not the case at all. This is the weirdest little Easter egg that they put in there. So back in like 1940. Oh my gosh. Zach went really in depth to give us this one. I did. Thanks to the depths of Wikipedia. Um, Back in like 1942 or 43, they actually made a Captain America movie. Like not long after the character had first debuted in the comics but they changed like everything about him. So it's not Steve Rogers. It's like district attorney, Joe, Bob Johnson or something <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a different name. And instead of the shield, he has a little service revolver and he's not even fighting like Nazis or Hydra. He's just like fighting criminals or something. And so this is just a totally different character than Captain America in every way. Completely, but he's called Captain America and he wears this the like superhero the stars suit. And stripes. Yeah. And in the that movie, 
his love interest is named Gail Richards. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So is Peggy Carter from the comics? She is, yeah. Okay. Um, Like the main comics, like 616. Well, I wish that... uh, I wish that that she was his love interest. I would feel a bit more of an emotional connection to both characters, I think. But that's okay. How could they know that? How could they know that that would be the case 22 years later? Yeah, I kind of like this, though, because it led me to discover this really bad, cheesy movie that was made about him. Um, so he hasn't lost a crew member in three years because he's been fighting on the Pacific front (laughs) or, you know, loading boxes for other people to fight. Or maybe this, these three years have been his, like (laughs) his, like performing at USO shows. (laughs) And and he's just like, I've never lost anybody doing that. (laughs) I've never had a dancer fall off the stage. Yeah. Because it does sound like Bucky and him are just like Bucky just follows him around taking pictures is kind of what it sounds like from this issue. Um, like he's just like the photographer to to send back pictures to hype everyone up about Captain America. Dude, Bucky has been uh, portrayed so many weird ways that the MCU would not lead you to believe is the case. Like originally, he was he was like the boy wonder. Basically, he was like the Robin to Captain America's Batman. Well, for a really long time, wasn't I know like now it's like everybody stays dead except for like Uncle Ben. And then even he comes back sometimes. But for a long time, I think it was like everybody stays dead except for Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes. And then they made Winter Soldier. And obviously then it became a movie like years after that. And you know, the guy who wrote Winter Soldier and created that character and everything, he got paid very little amounts of money for, you know, the amount of money he's now brought into the MCU. So he so Cap pulls out his picture of Gale and he says, not only, you know, is no one going to die, but all these men are invited to my nuptials in six months. Or maybe he says wedding. I don't remember. Um, and then... What I thought happened was Cap jumps out of the plane without a parachute, and there's hundreds of sh- soldiers parachuting down behind him. We-, we actually find out Cap is kind of like still hanging out on the plane for the time being, but but hundreds of soldiers are parachuting down, and it's immediately pretty brutal. Um, there's just like bullets everywhere, and it looks pretty terrifying if you're just like imagine just like parachuting down unable to do anything and there's just like hundreds of like guns like firing at you you know and you're just basically a sitting duck floating to the ground um so i thought it was really well illustrated i didn't like how it made me feel (laughs) yeah it's pretty gory yeah um, and there's a couple pages of just like showing like the brutalness of everything that's going around. It's just bullets and mud and chaos. And, and then Zach, we get a page where I'm not really sure what's going on. So I, I, I probably need to actually find this page and maybe you can tell me. Did you notice that like right after they drop, like, and some of these people are getting killed. It's like, he was just talking about, 
I've never lost a crew member in three years. And then within like okay. five minutes, he loses a bunch of okay. crew members. I'm actually like glad you said that because back when he said he hasn't lost a crew member and you were talking about what's he been doing for three years, what I thought you were going to say is there's no way no one has died on any of his missions. He definitely must mean he has not lost an entire crew and a mission in like three years, which is kind of a scammy way to sell something, Zach. I would report him to the Better Business Bureau because that is not accurate. I took it to mean, like, of the people under his command. So, like, maybe he has his own little, I don't know, the phrasing the howling for commandos. It. Yeah, maybe he has his own little platoon of, like, 15 people. And he's like, yeah. Well, he does have the howling commandos. That is, like, the Captain America thing. It was a Nick Fury thing first. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. Zach knows way more about this than I do. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, I'm glad they did add the Howling Commandos in the movie now, so at least people like know that. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say, you know, because at the time, Nick Fury was like, kind of like a, that was like his war flashback stories. So it's still like a World War II group. So I don't have a problem with them making it Cap's thing. Okay, so on page 10, this is where I am not really sure what is happening on here. Because they all drop on the parachutes, and then, like, someone's getting carried away. And I can't... I, don't, I can't really tell if it's good guys or bad guys. And then and then simultaneously, like, three people all turn their head and say, oh, my God. And then someone's... The guy who is being negative gets hit by a bullet in the head, but it, but his helmet blocks it. But he's, like, totally shocked that it blocked it. So I don't really know what any of these people are referring to when they say, oh, my God. And I don't know... Is is was he just surprised that the bullet was blocked by his helmet or well there's an exit wound out of the back of his helmet. So it's like it went through the front and the back of the helmet, but somehow didn't touch his head. Oh you're right. Okay. Oh wow. So do you know what they'd be referring oh my god to? Because they, they really make a point. I mean they show three different people like turning their head and saying it and I just don't know what they're referring to, but it's it's not that big of a deal. I guess just the horrors of war. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, so as that guy is looking at his helmet, um, a, an explosion happens and it sends everyone flying. And Kowalski, that's that guy's name who was being negative, he calls for a medic and Barnes rushes over. And um, I think he says something like, I don't need a photographer. I need a medic or something like that. And, uh, but Bucky goes over and helps him out and Kowalski's giving him a bunch of crap about how this should have been a walk in the park for the patron saint of Omaha beach, which is my cat's name, Omaha and the backbone of the battle of Normandy. Um, and that's when I, yeah, which are the same thing. So it's almost like he's only been in one battle. So maybe that's how he's never, Oh, is Omaha beach Normandy. It was one of the beaches they stormed. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I had to look up because I was thinking when they said that, I was like, wait a second, but D-Day ended the war. So, it started, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> it started our involvement in the European front. Ah. Uh, so, 
Kowalski's going on and on about Captain America being a phony and how people who believe in him are idiots. And I was so certain we were about to get like this awesome scene of Captain America just jumping in and saving the day and like being awesome. And we didn't get that scene. Um, which was a little disappointing. I was like, oh, he's going on and on. We're about to get like a classic Cap scene. Nope, didn't happen. Um, It turns out Captain America is still just up in the plane, letting all of his soldiers die on the ground. And he's just circling above in the plane. But he's like hanging out of the plane. The plane's like flying. Maybe there's a pilot flying, or I think it might be on autopilot circling around. And Captain America's like hanging out the bottom, like ready to drop. It looks um, like he steered it in whatever direction he wanted it to go and then, like, ran to the back and hang off, hung off the back of it. Yeah, because he says that the plan that they were – the pla- I even wrote in my notes. I'm, I'm disappointed. I wanted to see him come in and start wrecking Nazis. Um, but Cap says from the plan, he's like – he says the plan wasn't going to work. The Germans have their rocket missile aimed at the White House – so the U.S. can't afford to mess this one up. So Cap is going to try to storm the north side of the base, which I guess is maybe where it's closer to the missile. But the other soldiers say that that side is impregnable. Imp- is that that word? Impre- impregnable? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Cap is hanging off the bottom of the plane, and he's steering it into the ground, and he crashes it into the ground near the north side of the base. And I guess in my notes here, again, I said, I'm kind of confused by some of these panels. So maybe I'll look back at what, I think what, I might, what I might have been referring to. He crashed through like a window, like a big, like multi-story window. Okay. Like into the base itself. Yes. Which is funny because they, they called this base impregnable. They're like, oh, you can't get in that way. And there's just this like. 10 story window overlook right in the middle of it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now cap is in the base and he does kind of start wrecking some Nazis and he beats up some guys and he leads his men into the base and the Germans have this huge rocket slash their hydrogen bomb. And the U S soldiers don't understand how the German tech can be so advanced. And cap tells him, tells them all that, like there's way more like stuff going on in this war than just like the Germans and the U S and he, they wouldn't believe him if he told them. Um, so then we come to a page with a German yelling at other Germans in German. So I don't know what they were saying. And I assume it was, it's about Cap invading because they're like yelling at him. And the Germans launch their missile and Cap runs towards it, telling Bucky that now's his best chance to get a good picture for the paper. Hold and, on real quick. Yep. I think my one semester of German in college might help us out here. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out. Ah, Air, Air Zach. Yeah. It looks like, oh my God. It is the, like, this is the end, or or something like that. Ah, okay. Wow, that was huge. So yeah, it, it was, was very the cap invasion. Yeah, it was very simple, but <laughs> I felt good that I could get a little bit of it. Yeah. Um. So Cap runs up 
or Cap is about to run up and try to stop the missile, and the the German commander is gloating that the missile's been launched, and he's like, who will command America when DC has been wiped off the map? Stalin or the little fat Englishman with his face like a bulldog's rear end? And I have a problem with this joke. <laughs> What's that? In-universe... This does not make sense for the German guy to be saying to Captain America. This makes sense for an American writer who wants to write a joke about Winston Churchill. What do you so, think? So why do you say in universe it doesn't it doesn't make sense? Like I because I'm sure you're right that he just wanted to get some dig in at how Churchill looks. Because but. if he wanted to make an insult that was going to like hurt captain america or make him care at all he would insult an american right captain america doesn't care about making fun of winston churchill at all and this guy really went to like a great length to make this joke i mean there were a lot of words in that in that yeah i mean i guess you're right took me out of it zach yeah okay i'm grading this one kind of harsh if you can't tell Jeez, i thought you'd like it but okay um so Cap runs and he grabs onto the rocket and it's flying up into the air with Cap hanging onto it. And the Germans on the ground immediately surrender um, because their mission is accomplished. That's all they cared about was, was doing, was setting off that missile to the White House. So Cap's plan is to blow up all the explosives, the grenades that he has on him in the hopes that it's going to blast the missile off course because Cap is hanging onto the side of it. So he blows a hole in the side of the mission missile and then in a blinding sunlight light uh the hydrogen bomb explodes and we get a panel of just what looks to be like a huge sun over them all and bucky watches on sadly um because his his best friend is probably dead and steve falls into the river below and then we get about a page and a half of the letter that steve had written to Gail that was to be sent to her if he ever died. And he apologizes for leaving her alone. And he longs for the life that they should have had with kids in a house on Cedar street. And he knows that they will see each other again one day. Anything you want to add about, about the end of our captain America, uh, like scene there. I know we've got like one or two pages left, but. No, I mean, okay, okay. It, it looks good. Have you, have you, I guess I'll say this about this whole series in general. Maybe you picked up on it. Is there anything about the panel formatting that stood out to you? Or you look in a panel by panel view, don't you? Um, no, I've actually started reading it page by page since we had that conversation. And is it, is this maybe a lot more like now that I'm looking at it, it's a lot more like it's, it's all separated into like four horizontal bars, most of them. And then sometimes they have, you know, two, two on each side. Yeah. So they wanted this series to feel like a big budget summer blockbuster movie. And oh, so they wherever they can, they format the panels in like, kind of close to a widescreen like movie ratio yeah oh and i can definitely see that yeah. i think that's part of what made it so easy f to draw from as the inspiration for the first avengers movie yeah 
And I was just going to say this scene, like in particular, maybe it's because it's familiar because, you know, it's happened now in like two Captain America movies where he falls into the water. Well, I was going to say this, that I was going to say that at the end, but the him floating in that water is exactly the ending of the winter soldier when he falls into the water, like same exact poses and everything. Yeah. This whole thing just feels very cinematic. It feels like you're reading a movie instead of watching it. Yeah. Um, so in our last couple pages, we cut to Mount Everest in 2002 now. And Tony Stark and Happy Hogan are climbing Everest as part of a six-week Everest fast that Tony Stark seems to do regularly. He says the trips always make him more focused and ready to get back to business. And then he maybe insinuates that Jarvis is stealing from the company, but <laughs> but maybe he didn't care that much about it. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it kind of sounded like. Um and he says, this coming Monday begins a brand new chapter in our lives, boys and girls. And that's how our issue ends. Uh, so what did you think, Zach? Um, I liked it. I felt like it was, you know, just a fun, well-paced story. Um, once you get over the historical and scientific and geographical inaccuracies, um, like, like you said, he fell into a river and that would make sense if they were already well inland in Europe, but then like later they're going to say it was the ocean. So it was the Arctic. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, once you don't think about it too much and I don't think, I think it's easy to lose yourself in this comic and I think that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, okay. I can dig it. I didn't love it um and i i i probably had really high hopes for it so maybe that's one of the reasons but i thought captain america seemed kind of cocky um he didn't seem like his like i don't know i i just wasn't in love with the the way he seemed to be characterized in the couple of scenes that we get of him cuz we don't get that much of him which was kind of another problem. Um, we didn't even I w- see his whole body and face until like halfway through the comic. Yes. So that that was another issue I had. I, I wasn't in love with the way the characters were drawn because I thought a lot of their faces just didn't stand out at all. And it made it hard to, to determine who was who and who was a good guy and who was a bad guy. Um and so that was a couple things. Um, I know I kind of mentioned there were a couple pages where I just wasn't sure what exactly was supposed to be happening. Um, so there were some things I didn't like. Uh, I would have, and maybe maybe we'll get to learn more about this, but I want to see Captain America become Captain America. That's what I was hoping we would get, you know, was like the story of him going from like little dweeb to captain america but right we meet him he's already been doing this for three years so and then that stuff when when he's like there's way more to this war than you guys know what's going on well tell us because i don't know at all what's going on you know was it hydra was it some other thing is it just like nazis you know i don't know 
John, that's called a tease. Well, tell me. <laughs> but, okay. Okay, that's fair. Because just like in the the Avengers movie, you know, the, the, the weird stuff that they're fighting in 1945 comes back and it's the same weird stuff that they're fighting in the Avengers. And I figured it would probably be like that, but I would have just... Just tell me it's Hydra. Just be like it's Hydra. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, I I thought it was kind of mid, as the kids say. Uh, do you have a grading scale you want to give this one? Was it low key not bussing? <laughs> it was low key. Yeah, that was well said. Yeah. Um. How about out of uh ten troops returned home safely? Okay. Um, I don't want to kill troops. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10 troops returned home safely because Captain America hung out on the plane while his troops died fighting. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to be just a little bit more generous. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 troops returned home safely. Okay. That's... I can I can dig that. Usually you're lower than I am, except on ones I feel like. I know. Lately, and I, maybe. And I thought you would like this one because you like Captain America, but I know, that, but it just didn't. It it just didn't do it for me. It's a different cap than what you were wanting. It what it is, it is. Um, but I think maybe he'll get better because I don't know. We'll see. Maybe when he wakes up, he'll be he'll be better. We shall see. I just would have. Do we do we get to see his backstory? I think he also makes a comment that's like, I didn't, I didn't spend six months doing surgery and steroids for this or something like that. And then in one of the later issues, we hear like he just wanted to be like he always wanted to be like handsome and big muscles and look like a movie star. And it it's like. I just don't appreciate his characterization that like any that stuff doesn't matter to Captain America. He just wants to like do what's right. You know, he doesn't care if he's all handsome and, you know, perfect looking. Yeah, I don't think we see his backstory again, but I think we hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into it. I was excited to go see Tony Stark, though. Yeah, I, so. I was going to say, man, it is too convenient if Tony Stark stumbles on Captain America's body out in Everest in that last panel. I was about to, like, take multiple points off if that's where that last page was going. Oh, my God, I would have, too. Um, Thank God it didn't go there. But anyways, that brings us into issue two, written by Mark Millar, pencils by Brian Hitch. Inked by Andrew Curry, colored by Paul Mounts, and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. So we open on Nick Fury eating with Bruce Banner in a rooftop restaurant in Manhattan. And Fury apologizes for the view, and we see that the area just below their window is mostly destroyed buildings and construction sites. And he says the geniuses who organize his schedule didn't even think about uh, where they were sitting him for lunch. And he says, I just hope watching them rebuild Chelsea Piers doesn't bring back the whole Hulk thing for you. And we see a flashback 
to ultimate team up issues, I believe two and three, where Spider-Man fought the Hulk. And Banner tells Fury, believe it or not, but I hardly give the Hulk a second thought these days. And Fury tells him, no offense, but I'm not sure you're ready to come back yet. Banner insists that he's 100% again and that they are running three blood tests on him a day and have confirmed that he hasn't had any Hulk cells in 12 weeks. And Banner, what you got? Nick Fury looks exactly like Samuel L. Jackson. I think he looks more and more like it every panel they draw him they like make it a little bit more and more exactly looking like samuel l jackson yep yeah it's not subtle it's it looks like it it looks like a drawing of samuel it does it does it's like hard to believe it was legal to do (laughs) um so banner asks fury how he's liking his new job and fury says Man, heading S.H.I.E.L.D. is like being the Pope, the Queen, and the President of the United States all rolled into one. And he says every lunch with an employee becomes a minor military operation, and that half the people in the restaurant right then are undercover agents. And every article of clothing he owned has been replaced by a million-dollar wardrobe laced with bugs and cameras. And he says... Uh, taking the position was like volunteering for a career as a paranoid schizophrenic, but the money's good and the girls are pretty and being in charge allows me to smile favorably on all of those underfunded side projects. And Banner asks him which projects he's referring to. And Fury says the super soldier program you've been working on for the last eight years. What would you say if I told you the president just authorized 150 billion in your plans for cap for a new captain America, which first of all, isn't how the United States government works. Congress actually spends money, but okay. <laughs> Get them. Yeah. Um, Banner doesn't believe him. And he says cap died with the secret to the super soldier serum in his veins and the closest we've come to recreating it created the Hulk and caused all of the destruction below them. And he asks why anyone would invest in that again. And Fury tells him it's because they're living in crazy times and the threats to their safety are getting worse. So I don't know if it was intentional, but this series has always been read as kind of like, a. I don't even know that it's meant to be a, criticism or supposed to look at this but it's been seen as like a snapshot to the post 9-11 years and like the the patriot act and the nsa and you know just the birth of all these huge oh yeah like intelligence organizations Especially after, uh, you know, we see one character come in later on in these issues. Yeah, I think my takeaway from this whole issue, and it's just going to keep going from here, is um, just think about how much money is being put into these people and their various projects. And, you know, just like the military. like Well, they- that's like the one thing that's not unrealistic. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, but they they just keep thinking like there is no end. They have to get bigger. And then once they get bigger, they have to get bigger than that, you know? Nick yeah. Fury's clothes need to all be worth a million dollars and have cameras in them. Yeah. Did you say that? They said like all of his clothes have been like sewn together with yeah. Yes. Um so Fury tells Banner he's moving Banner's people from that damp little squat in Pittsburgh to a brand new facility 10 miles off the coast of Manhattan. He says the president wants five state-sponsored super people to begin with and says we need someone up there with a flag on his chest now more than ever, which, again, is a little meta-commentary about nationalism at the time. Yep. But it's hard to say it's hard to say if they're endorsing it or critiquing it. But it's definitely there. Um he tells Banner not to get too excited yet because all of this came with one very specific condition. They're demoting Banner to number 2. And we cut to the research facility in Pittsburgh where hordes of ants are carrying boxes out to a moving truck. And a woman with short, spiky black hair walks in and asks, am I losing my mind or are insects helping with the removal, Jason? And Jason tells her, I'm sorry, Mrs. Pym, but I'm afraid that's classified information. You'll have to ask your husband if you want details about the ants. So she walks into her husband's office and we meet Dr. Hank Pym. He's wearing a mechanical helmet and we see that he's the one controlling the ants. And he explains that it's a new form of military technology he's working on that uses pheromones rather than radio waves to communicate. And he says the plan is to begin testing on spiders next and eventually humans. He also says the giant man formula is practically writing itself. And his wife Janet suddenly disappears as her coat falls to the floor. We can still see her speech bubbles, though, as she says... I just wish that banner wasn't coming back to spoil everything. Hank tells her not to worry and that Fury will be keeping Banner busy on the other side of the building, working on the super soldier serum. And this is the first point that we get where people just don't like Bruce Banner, it seems, for some reason. We don't have any reason to like think he's not a, a fine guy, but that this this is just the first of many times when people are like, "Ugh, banners here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, we're we're getting little drips at a time of like character building and information. Um, so we see now. Remember when I said she disappeared? We finally see that Janet is about the size of a bug. And she's wearing a super suit with wasp wings, which she is using to fly. And she says something about rumors about Dr. Banner that when his funding was lean, he might have used civilians as test subjects for his super soldier serum. Hank tells her no one in the program has a spotless record, but if Tony Stark is involved in it, then that can only mean good things. And on cue, we cut to New York where Tony Stark is flying through the city testing out a new Iron Man suit. And he lands in his building and gets out of his suit. And for some reason, he's covered in a green goo. And we're not really sure what 
that is, but it has something to do with the suit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't know what that was either? I guess he has to get lubed up before he goes into the <laughs> Iron Man suit. I, yeah. I, I, I'd imagine if you're just in there dry and you start sweating, you chafe against the metal or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, got green goo all over him getting out and it's that, not mentioned. But that also begs the question, why is that, Why doesn't he do what he does in the movies and just wear his clothes into the suit? Because he gets out and he's presumably naked. Yeah. Um, as he walks, he talks to Nick Fury and wants to review the team lineup. He says, so there's me, Pim, that poor little wife he shrunk, and whatever Marine we end up with once Banner cracks the Captain America formula, correct? And Stark asks Fury if they can lose Banner. And Fury says, it's out of the question, Daddy-O. I didn't, I didn't love the Daddy-O. It, it doesn't feel like something Samuel L. Jackson would say, but it, it feels yeah. like something someone would think a guy who looks like Samuel L. Jackson might say. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson seems like he is just like everyone's best friend, kind of. And he really like changes his personality kind of based on how he talks to Banner. And maybe now he's trying to talk to Stark in a little more Stark terms. Oh, okay. He thinks Stark would respond to daddy. -O. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is funny. And I could see that. Cause I was going to say like, that just does not sound like him. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, but he says it's out of the question because the team needs a leader and Banner is the only one who can make them another Captain America. So I think that's another thing worth noting is they think what made Captain America a great leader was that he was yoked. And if they can get another <laughs> yoked guy, that's who they need to follow. Yeah. Um, just an interesting little observation. Uh, Stark asks about the Thor guy over in Europe who just did an anti-corporate piece for 60 minutes. And Fury said, Thor's not answering his phone, but he would rather have him with them than against them. And then Stark asks about the Fantastic Four, and then I put in parentheses, who should not exist at this time. Because their origin story comes like two years after this in the Ultimate Universe, but at this oh, point, it? at this point, yeah, Bendis was writing like he thought the Fantastic Four was around, and I think Millard did the same. Fury says, not with all the negative press they've been getting from their neighbors. So I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. But he says, uh, their budget is going to make them a hot-button political issue, and that's also why he didn't select any mutants. And Fury is honest with Stark that the reason he's on the team is to give them more credibility due to his reputation as a businessman and also because of his Iron Man suits. And Fury and Stark talk about Stark's wealth and why he's not sharing the Iron Man tech directly with the military. And Stark says he thinks uh, it's time that the billionaires like him try to save the world instead of bleeding it dry. Then pay your taxes, Tony Stark. <laughs> I was literally just thinking there's a million ways that you can make the world a better place with billion with a billion dollars. I know. It's so it's so funny that that 
that Tony Stark, who already has like hundreds of billions of dollars, probably that they're like, it's time for us to make the world a better place. So let's take a hundred and fifty billion more dollars and start a war group. <laughs> exactly, and it's it's like what people always criticize Batman for. It's like you have all this money, and the only thing you could think to do it was make yourself a suit. And go, you know, beat up criminals. Start welfare programs. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, there's no reason, like, even if he doesn't want to give it to the government, there's no reason he has to be the one flying around in the suit playing with his toy. Like, give it to someone else who's, you know, like like the Captain America thing. The point isn't that you have a yoked super soldier the point is that he's also a good you have man. the best possible person to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony Stark's a good dude. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, relatively. Um, <laughs> you kind of skipped over his alcoholism earlier in this issue, but... Oh, did they talk about that? Well, he's, he's like, Jarvis, make me a drink. And Jarvis is like, it's 10 a.m., sir. He's like, not in Moscow. And he, like, turns around and gives, like, finger guns and a wink. I did. I remember that. But this is such a talk-heavy issue. I found myself editing it, like, like making my notes uh, last night and this morning and just thinking, well, I can't put everything in yeah. here. I, I got to leave something out. Yeah. So we left out Tony's alcoholism until yeah, now. But th- yeah, but that is a good point because I stupidly saw that as just like a throwaway line. But that is, yeah. Well, I character. mean, it well, 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 it kind of was. I think in my notes I put like Tony. Tony jokes about <laughs> what did I say? I'll just find exactly what it was. Um, but it's good character building because that's like a big part of Tony Stark is that he's like a recovering alcoholic. And I think because the movies kind of got Disney-fied, some people know everything there is to know about Tony Stark, but, like, missed that part. Yeah. And uh, I think I did that just just here. I said, Tony starts drinking at 10 a.m., which is played for fun, but he's an alcoholic for sure. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. So, yeah, so the the whole billionaire thing, that kind of ends their scene together. And we move to the Triskillian, which is S.H.I.E.L.D.'s base of operations in the Upper Bay of Manhattan. And Bruce Banner departs from a helicopter, and Janet Pym is waiting there to greet him. And she asks him what he thinks of the new facility. And she says she'll never know how he didn't go nuts in that tiny rat hole in Pittsburgh. And Bruce responds... You mean turning it green and going on a rampage through New York doesn't qualify as nuts anymore? So, um, this isn't really important, but it did confuse me a little bit. That makes it sound like Janet and Hank were not working at the facility in Pittsburgh, but they were just there clearing it out with two and a half million ants, you know? So I was just a little confused on that but it's not that big of a deal you know it's just i don't know yeah the details are unclear but the vibe is immaculate yeah (laughs) i i think they're just they're trying to they're trying to tell a story that you don't have to think too deeply about yeah 
kind of like a summer yeah. blockbuster and, action movie. And Bruce Banner looks just sick. You know, I think he's just like wearied and uh, just sickly looking I, to me. Yeah, the man is unwell. <laughs> Perhaps it's not the best idea to bring him into this multi-billion dollar facility with all these government toys. He's the and only let him... one that can create cap. He needs therapy. <laughs> um, so they talk about Betty Ross, the new director of communications for shield. And we learned that Janet roomed with her back at NYU and that Bruce had been engaged to her until she decided he was toxic and ended their relationship. And the two walk into a testing environment where Hank Pym is about to attempt to become 60 feet tall. And we're specifically told that 60 feet is the highest point to which a human body can grow before the skeleton can no longer support it. Yeah, I actually think it's when it gets to 60 feet, the skeleton will no longer support it. So if he right. gets to 60 feet, then then he'll break all his bones. <laughs> gotcha. Um, Hank doesn't know if he'll be able to stop growing, but Janet thinks his body will just stop when it needs to as an automatic response, which seems like dubious science to me, but whatever. Maybe she hates her husband. Maybe she has a good reason for wanting him to break but, his bones. But she does say that that's what happens when she shrinks also, or when they shrink. You know, she makes a point to say that, that she's like, why do you think you always shrink to like this size to where your body can still do it? It's like happens automatically, you know? So there's at least some uh, past like knowledge at work. It's not just like wing it. Hopefully your body stops. <laughs> I choose to read into it as he's nervous because it's his body. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, honey. Cause worst case scenario, <laughs> you die. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. There sound like a good, they need therapy, not a superhero team. Yeah. We, let's just go down the line and apply that to everyone. <laughs> yeah. All of these characters just need therapy. Um, God, you don't know how right you are. Uh, so they start the experiment with Hank in a separate hangar than everyone else. And he instantly be begins freaking out and he thinks the room is shrinking instead of him growing and the lights burst and he starts screaming in pain and Jan and the other scientists rush in to see Hank giant naked and smiling. And he says, gotcha, suckers. And we find out he hit 59 feet and 11 and a half inches exactly. And someone asks Bruce Banner how much that rocked. And for just a second, we see the Hulk's eyes as Banner lethargically says, yeehaw. And we don't have to question why he's frustrated for long. Because in the very next scene, we see Banner on the phone with Fury. And he says he feels like Hank is a threat to him and is afraid that if he doesn't rush his work, Hank will create the whole super team himself. And we see Fury on the other side of the call, just unbothered, sipping from a drink. And he says, looking the most like Samuel L. Jackson he has looked thus far, I think. 
Sure, yeah. All the other appearances have built up to this panel. <laughs> and he says, the answer to your prayers has just been answered. You're not going to believe what they just fished out of the Arctic Ocean. And as he says this, we see Captain America partially frozen in ice, being thawed out by shield agents with tiny blowtorches. Which is also almost like shot for shot from the Avengers movie. When there's like a quick one second flashback of them dethawing Cap. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, John, what'd you think of it? Um, I liked this one more than the first. It's not without its issues. I really don't like our Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyme. Hank Pym's smile and face and well, well they're married here. annoys me. They're married here, so she's Janet Pym. Okay. Well, I don't like them very much. Um Especially him. He just is not, I don't, I just, does he come across as like arrogant and maybe he's like too handsome and he's got too perfect of a smile or something. I think probably the same reasons Bruce Banner doesn't like him. I don't like him that much. (laughs) Someone needs to knock him down a peg. Exactly. I think you're picking up on things that I had totally missed the first time I read this series. And I was like, oh my God, it's great. But then everyone else calls out and they're like, oh, my God, Ultimates, all the characters are they're so dark and unnecessarily like bad people and arrogant. And and like you're getting those vibes early on. That's funny. It's very interesting. (laughs) I'm scrolling back through and looking at Tony Stark just covered in green ooze for like four drawings in a row and they just don't mention it at all and then he puts his normal clothes on over it like that's gross um but i really like nick fury i think he is probably my favorite character in this series that we've read so far um and i i probably enjoyed this one a little bit more than i enjoyed the last one which which was still good I would say, what can we give this out of? Um, out, out of 60, 60 feet. feet. Oh my gosh. How Jinx, high we go? Buy me a Coke. Oh my gosh. That was perfect timing. Zach and I just said that at the exact same time out of 60 feet. Hey, John. Yes. They were there. Well, but maybe it might have came through a little bit different, you know? And if it came through different, it was the exact same time. <laughs> that's true um out of 60 feet okay now i gotta go into my percentages a little bit so if i gave it 50 out of 60 that'd be i i so 45 out of 60 would be three fourths okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a 40 out of 60 two thirds so a little bit better than last issue which was 60 percent. this is about 67 percent Okay. I'm right there with you. I I actually think I liked the last issue better because this one was so talk heavy and I had to take the notes on it. But um yeah. I, I gave the last one a 70%, so that this is that's consistent. This is a little bit less. Okay. Okay, issue 3. And if and if you thought, "Oh, 
Ant-Man being humongous and naked and hamming it up and looking like a are we allowed to say the word D-bag on this podcast? <laughs> I mean, no one's going to stop us. <laughs> um, well, if you thought that was over in issue two, we'll just wait till the very first page. <laughs> because Ant-Man is giant 60, 60 feet at Ant-Man just stomping around the park is our first page on this panel saying, afternoon, ladies, as he's like walking over the towering over them. Um but it's pretty funny. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't know, being overly critical, probably. No, um, it's fine. Hating Ultimate Universe Ant Man or Giant Man, as it were, is a completely rational and measured response. <laughs> Good. Um, so he is, like I said, we open on a full page of Hank Pym. He's humongous and he's hamming it up. His wife Janet is recording him. And Hank is like, can you believe we're superheroes? The two biggest nerds on the planet, which is, which is great. If there's a line that makes me like, like him, it's like that line right there. Cause it, it kind of reminds me of like Peter Parker a little bit. Um, and so th- Peter yeah. Parker actually does super heroics. He's, he just grew. He's just stopping. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. It's actually true. He hasn't done anything yet. He's just literally like a big Statue of Liberty stand, like walking through the park. Um, so just then Janet gets a text from Tony Stark and we immediately cut to Stark and Fury watching Captain America being defrosted and monitored. And Cap wakes up and Fury, Banner and Stark start to explain his situation to him. Cap immediately thinks he's being tricked by the Germans Oh gosh, now I have to, I remember this. Uh because he doesn't think a black man would be as high ranking as Nick Fury. He's like, I know the only high ranking black person in the military, and it's not you. So Woof. gosh, there's just so many other ways to have him think he's being tricked. Like, why does that need to be the reason that he like why do we immediately have to be like He's out of the 1940s, by the way. So he's just a little racist because everybody was like, it feels like they meant for it to play like, you know, oh, um, it's a commentary on how bad things used to be. And it's like, no, you're you're also showing how bad it is right then and there. Like, because because you published this book in 2002 and just by putting that out there, you're saying in 2002, we were still, you know, like th- you thought this was okay to publish. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I definitely, I don't, you know, it's not like they were, you know, I don't, I don't think they were like purposefully trying to like make Captain America seem racist or anything, but I think he seemed you know, a little bit anyway. <laughs> they were doing a thing. Yeah. Um. So Cap starts rampage by this, but it is funny that he would be like, there's no black people high up in the military. This must be a German trick because they would think that there are black people high up in the military. If there's anywhere in the world where they'd be so tolerant and open-minded, yeah. it's Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> um, is he taking over uh, Harry Osborne as like God's perfect idiot? <laughs> 
it reminds me of like like rocky horror like you just you know oh he's this perfect blonde that's what hank pym strong that's, man. that's like what hank pym looks like to me in this more than captain america does that's like what hank pym looks like to me <laughs> but he's dumber than a box of rocks yeah um Okay, so Cap starts rampaging, much like he did in the movie where he realizes or where he thinks he's being tricked when he wakes up. And Hank Pym turns into Giant Man and just, like, squashes him with his hand, uh, which is kind of funny. But Pym is naked again when he gets huge. He's naked, and Janet is also flying around naked as the Wasp. And it's just weird. (laughs) And Cap and Fury are sitting around in a car on and Cedar we, Street. Yeah. And we know it's not because they don't have suits that they can, you know, enlarge with themselves. Because literally last issue, it. she was wearing one. And then this earlier issue. in this issue, he was yeah. wearing one. Yeah. They're, so, just, they're just into this. This is like their thing. <laughs> I know. It, they definitely are. Um, And then... Cap and Fury are sitting outside Cedar Street talking in a limo. And you you might remember Cedar Street as where Cap's letter to Gale says that they wanted to get a house together. Um, so Cap says he's sorry he broke Fury's nose. And then Fury makes a comment that he says this nose has been smashed more times than Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> Um, which do you think this Iron Man is meant to look like Robert Downey Jr. at all? Like, do you think that they had that planned out now? Or do you think this just happens to be like a throwaway line that happened to, I don't know. What What do you, the, I think it's the, just kind of prescient that yes. they. I think it was just like fortuitous, you know, that they put that line in there. And then he eventually played Iron Man because at the time when these books came out, um, I think his name was kind of smeared in like Hollywood circles. I would and say so- this was even like a low blow at that point, like this this potential joke. If there wasn't any like fun and like future plans in it, you know, yeah, if he had no relation with Marvel, yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's, I mean, the whole book, it's got really high highs, but really low lows. And this just comes across as mean spirited. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like if, if the movie had already been out, then this would be kind of like a funny joke. Like, oh yeah, Robert Downey Jr. used to be an alcoholic and now he's like Iron Man and everyone loves him. But at this point, he was probably like in the depths of his like low points. So anyway, Obviously, yep. he ended up having like a huge resurrection because of not because of the MCU, but in part of it. So I guess they made up for it. So they're sitting outside this house on Cedar Street and we find out it is none other than Gail's home with Bucky Barnes. And that's a little strange, I think, that Captain America wrote this letter and had Bucky deliver it, saying how he wants to live this life with Gale on Cedar Street, and Bucky just, like, did that. (laughs) At least buy a house at a new street. He read that and said, damn, that that sounds kind (laughs) of good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, So 
Captain America comes in with Nick Fury, and I'm a bit confused at how this situation happened. From my reading, it seemed like Bucky didn't recognize Steve at first, so I don't know who he thought Nick Fury was like coming over with. And then Steve makes a comment, and then Bucky does kind of recognize him, and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed, blah, 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 blah. And then he kind of yells up the stairs to Gail. And he's like, he's here. He's standing here. And Gail is like also embarrassed and like refuses to see him. And and then he leaves. And there was no emotional catharsis at all in that in that scene. Um Yeah. What did you think of that? Oh, and Bucky has cancer. Which is which is sad. Yeah. And there's what are those grandkids running around the halls playing the whole time? Yes. Yep. Yeah. But I just why didn't why didn't Gail want to see him? Because she was old or because she was like embarrassed that she had married Bucky? I was a little confused. I think you're gonna get these answers later, you know? I think this is like a maybe a C thread that goes throughout the whole series. Okay. Um, but it's just, I, th- I think it's here just to kind of, this is the first issue of him back, like in the modern age. It makes sense that he would like want to go see the only people he knows who are still alive. And to him, no time has passed. And to them, they lived a whole life. And it's just, I think it's just starting like that theme. Yeah. Um, well, this is also kind of an interesting way to like just write Bucky because we kind of mentioned that Bucky always would die in the comics. And then in like 2004 is when the Winter Soldier comic came out. I Or or at least that's when I think maybe it started. He started writing it. I looked it up. It was Ed Brubaker. So I guess they just decided they just wanted to make him just like a gr- someone who survived the war in this one. But he's it doesn't. But he's not the Winter Soldier, and he's not you know Bucky Barnes that died. So just kind of a different character in general. I mean, he's still got time. Maybe some bad <laughs> scientist is like, "Hey, old geezer, I could cure that cancer for you and give you a metal arm." That's true. They could. <laughs> um. So Fury and Steve leave, and they go to this graves or. Uh, this graveyard and Fury's kind of like reading him the files on all of his relatives. Who's pretty much everyone is dead, except he has a niece that lives in Idaho. And cap says that they should have left him in the ice. Everything he loves is dead. And Fury says, not everything. And we get a patriotic American flag waving in the sun. Uh, So Nick Fury and Betty Ross then head to the shield ultimates unveiling and it's basically like the met gala or they even comment this is like a hollywood premiere and um yeah and they also say that they've they've paid people in this crowd five hundred dollars ahead to stand there and wave flags and uh fury says something like isn't that a bit much for this and they're like you can't put a price on good television that's definitely a bit much. <laughs> yeah. I would do that. Um, I didn't even catch that, actually. 
And I think it's because as that flag's flying on the previous page, that's when they say, are we really giving $500 ahead to wave these flags? Yeah. Um, okay, so it's like a Hollywood premiere, Met Gala. So there's like news people everywhere. Stark and Banner are talking. And Tony's like making remarks about Betty Ross and Bruce Banner's like, well, we're just separated. So, <laughs> um, and Banner seems to be miserable. Tony is talking to all the different news stations. He's got an interview with 60 minutes he's about to do. And then we cut to Fury and none other than President George W. Bush. And they're talking about Captain America. And Fury says he's even stronger and smarter than they had imagined. There's no one better to lead the Ultimates. And George Bush says, so what do you think? 21st century Captain America. Or wait, okay. Let me try to do a George W. Bush accent. <laughs> Boy, okay. I really don't have this in my arsenal at all. Um, how do you even do this? Okay. So what do you think? 21st century Captain America. Cool or uncool? <laughs> that was terrible. No, I, I think that it. was a little Owen Wilson at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the bouncing in your seat. That's what I was, try, I was trying to get into character. You Nuclear. really... It's yeah. nuclear energy. <laughs> you really capture just the the unhinged excitement <laughs> at everything he says. Um, and Fury responds, cool, Mr. President, definitely cool. And we get a full page pick of Captain America in his new 21st century costume. And it looks pretty cool. And it looks saluting. pretty cool. He's saluting. He's got his shield. Uh, there's a bunch of people taking pictures in the background. Imagine being Bill Clinton in this universe and be like, oh, oh, come on. Captain America couldn't have come out during my term. Well, I think it, like you said, it, it has to do with like, I think this series is a lot of a result of like the 9-11 stuff and all of that stuff happening. So like George W. Bush was a huge part of you know, the military getting like all these extra powers and funding and everything like that. Right. So I don't know if it would work at the same with George Do or with Bill Clinton, you know, that is would... true. I, I know you're right. And I know it's also because it's a product of this was being written in real time in 2002, but yeah. I still think it would be funny to see just an alternate universe of the ultimates. That was just a few years earlier where Bill Clinton is like getting impeached for his Monica well, Lewinsky thing. And well, he's maybe, like, Hey guys, look a distraction. Captain America's back. <laughs> well, maybe you could give us um, a Bill Clinton impression of him, of him saying something, the George Bush line you could, or, or something else. So we can really feel that alternate universe. I don't know how to do a Bill Clinton impression I don't, either. I don't either. The only thing is that one line, you know, and I don't know how to make okay. that about superheroes. Here, let me let me uh, let me try. So, what do you think, twenty first century <laughs> Captain America? Cool or uncool? <laughs> it was not good. Starts playing a saxophone. Okay, see it, see you, Mr. Clinton. Thank you for coming in and reading that for us. That was really nice of you to to come in and uh, give us that little glimpse into a alternate future. Thanks, Bill Clinton's walking out the door. Thanks. I, oh my God, someone else is coming in. 
now, now let me be clear. The Ultimates, while they give us very much in terms of uh, security and safety, uh, need modernized mental health care before we can put them out on the front lines with our brave men and women. And you just heard it. Donald J. Trump just was in the studio <laughs> talking to us. <laughs> I would imagine everyone will know that that's Obama that just came in and said that. I mean, maybe because not. It sound, we, we, because it sounded exactly like him because it was him in the studio that we have. A studio. Naturally, yeah. Um, he's actually been banging down our doors to get on previous episodes, and we just kept telling him, Mr. President, I don't yeah. see how you're possibly going to be relevant. We finally yeah. let him in. Yeah. Well, we tried telling – this is a George Bush story. So if George Bush wants to come on, which he didn't, that was an impersonation I did. We tried to get him. He wouldn't come in. Yeah. Then we'd let him in, but Obama, there's no place for him except that one thing that he just said. You know what? I generally take a pretty strong anti-war criminal stance, but what the heck? I'm going to throw it out there. If George Bush wants to come on our podcast, we'll hear him out. Okay. I think that'd be a good place for him to um, walk us through the decision makings of of all of everything he did. <laughs> all right. Let's get back on track. What did you think of that episode, Zach? Issue. I... I liked it. Um, just a good little continuation of the story. You seeing like your problems with these issues is really like opening my eyes to like, yeah, yeah, that that was there, wasn't it? Um, I think I get I get kind of wowed by the highs and you get kind of freaked out by the lows. And because I've already read them, I'm like, I'm glossing over the lows. I'm like, yeah, I know this is coming. But look at how great that panel looks. So, yeah, yeah. Talking to you that, definitely bums me out on these issues. <laughs> That's good. That's what I was hoping to to do. No, um. Well, I'm sorry that that happens because I am still enjoying them. Uh, but like, I think I liked this one the most out of the three that we read so far. Even though you know there were some not great moments, but. I think the issues themselves were good. Like the scenes of, of Captain America and Nick Fury just talking like in his car and then in the graveyard. I think those were really good. Um, this, the shot of that flag waving right after he says like, well, not everything you love died. That really twists me up inside because I kind of love that, but I am not a, big nationalism person but but it that's kind of like you know captain america doesn't fight for america he fights for the morals that america's supposed to stand for so yes. you know that's 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 a key difference i do think in like you know captain america being like some nationalist like goofball that sucks versus him being like the my favorite superhero that there yeah. is. Honestly, it's the difference between him and um, John Walker, U.S. agent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very that's a very good comparison. Yeah, I I'm glad that you you know recognize that in like what he should be because like I've heard people say that that like the six one six Captain America is a patriot 
the 1610 Captain America as a nationalist. Yeah. Well, what do we want to grade this one? Do we have a scale? Ooh, uh, out of $500 to wave a flag. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking out of Captain America's like 10 dead relatives. <laughs> no. Um, okay. I like out of five. How, how much would we, would we pay to wave a flag out of $500? Um, yeah. for this one. Okay. So that, so four, 400 out of 500 would be 80%, which would be an eight out of 10. I think that I will go $375 to wave the flag, which I think is probably like 7.75 or something. So like 75% roughly something like that. Yeah. I'm going to give this one a three out of five. It was probably my least favorite 60% of the day. Yeah. Why is that? Why was it your least favorite? Um, I just don't think for being a, for being a super talk heavy issue, I don't think it offered as much insight into the characters as the one before it. Well, my notes on this were dramatically shorter than either of the other two and just what I wrote down. And I think that makes sense for it. There just wasn't that much there. Yeah. Um, maybe I just kind of liked that this one only had characters in it that I was like, you know, we, the only thing we really had with Hank Pym and Janet was that very first scene, which was kind of funny. Had them like gallivanting around really big. Um, but I didn't have to look at his face very much. <laughs> that stupid face. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I might've sneaked a peek to the next issue that, that we're looking at. Are we going to just keep doing ultimates until we finish them? Uh, no, actually. So you, are you saying you looked ahead at the next? Well, I did um, see that we see that Thor comes in next. Uh, but, but is that not what we're doing next week? No. So we're still a Spider-Man podcast. And (laughs) if we, if we temper this, you know, to where it's like every other issue, other episode is, um, an ultimates episode, we should time it out right to where our coverage ends as the new series is coming out. Okay. So next week we have a story that is not in the Ultimates and is not in Ultimate Spider-Man. Zach, but I-, I can't help but think that our first read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast is kind of going off the rails here. We've already done Ultimate Team-Up. Now we're in the Ultimates. And now it sounds like you're about to throw another series at us. Hold on. Stay with me. So it's neither of those two. It's a third more sinister thing. (laughs) It's Ultimate Spider-Man Super Special number one. So it's classified as a different comic on Marvel Unlimited, but it is is Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like the annual issue for it. So it's double-sized and it's... It's not, it wasn't published as part of the series, but it is of the series, basically. Okay. So is that the only one we're doing next week? Yep, because it's double sized. I figured we'll split it. You'll do half, I'll do half. And uh, this is one I had forgotten it existed, but then I went through it and I was like, oh, I've read this before. And I think you'll like some of the stuff it ties up. Oh, okay. I'm excited. And also to our webheads, I think Zach and I might start doing two 
issues an episode because we just get too into them, you know, and the pods are running long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing. So Ultimates is 13 issues and I'm like, there's no good way to cut 13 issues. Oh, so but we did the first three. We did the first three and I felt like thematically that was good because this was getting the team together from here on out. Our ultimate issues for sure every time are just going to be two. Okay. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to this super special one. Yeah. Um. Well, do you have anything else on the issues that we read? I don't. Okay. Just to tie up what we talked about earlier for, for a something else or something interesting or um, Marvel was going like bankrupt and they had sold off the movie rights to all of their characters like Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Blade, you know, X-Men, X-Men. Yeah. Because those were their heavy hitter characters that like they knew would sell. Those were the ones that people wanted to buy the movie rights for. So they sold them off just to like keep the doors open at Marvel comics. So this, the only characters they had less left were like the B tier Avengers, which I guess were not popular. I mean, I guess maybe this ultimates, it sounds like it was pretty popular, like at the time it came out. But in general, I guess maybe the Avengers were just like more the B-list. And those were like the only characters they had left. So them making this cinematic universe with the Avengers was kind of like a like last shot at, you know, even like saving the company kind of and making making like real money off of Marvel. Because I think they just weren't really doing that well. Um, but anyway, there's probably... a a lot of nuance in what I just said that uh, I, I did not explain well. No, I think you got it. Um, I think by the time the movies actually started coming out, they had kind of come through on the other side a little bit. They were really in like bad financial trouble in the nineties and stuff. And one of the things that people have credited with, you know, giving them a big influx of cash and when they needed it and maybe saving them, was the ultimate universe. Oh, really? Because it was pretty popular here in these early days that we're still in. Yeah, that's because everyone was like, Samuel L. Jackson is starring in a comic book. <laughs> yeah, they were too tired of seeing Flash Thompson as the bully, <laughs> but the, this Kong Harlan guy, he seems kind of interesting. What's his Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I think people don't realize, like, for the longest time, for the Avengers the longest time. <laughs> okay. The Avengers were kind of a joke and it's like er, like in the very early days the Fantastic 4 was the big Marvel team and then in the 80s and 90s the X-Men was the big Marvel team. Like the the Avengers being Marvel's heavy hitters is a very recent phenomenon. Yeah. That's cool. It's like almost hard to believe also because they're such good characters, but it's obviously because Marvel has a million characters and they're, you know, they're all such good. The Fantastic Four is my least favorite, but that's because they've never had a good movie. So I don't care about them at all. I would love it if they would like make a 
good movie for them, but I'm, you know, I'm losing yeah. hope. <laughs> Dude, I am losing hope. Do you know how scared I am as an X-Men fan that they're going to start making X-Men movies? I would I I would be very nervous cuz yeah, I I, I want to see them do it well and this phase bore has not inspired confidence in me. No, they yeah. I know I it hasn't been my favorite phase. Definitely not. Um hopefully the Deadpool movie with Wolverine is good and that will introduce the X-Men into the universe in some way that like starts them off on a good foot. But it's gonna be hard to recast all of these famous X-Men when like Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy have been Professor X forever. And I think if they replace him, which they have to do, it's just going to be someone doing a Patrick Stewart impress. You know, it's just going to be like a bald guy in a wheelchair. It's not going to feel that's, like Professor X. That's the thing. They can't tell them, oh, your source material is the Fox movies. They got to They got to be like, no, the source material is, you know, the comics because yeah, like I, you chose a bad example by choosing the good actors in that franchise. I don't think anyone's going to miss like Halle Berry's storm or, you know, like um, James Marsden's Cyclops or Sophie Turner's yeah. Jean Grey. Like yeah. a lot of these people, they chose big name actors, but they didn't give them a chance to shine or really make those characters. That's anything. true. Yeah. Probably the, the hardest ones to replace will be, wolverine professor x and magneto 100 percent. and i mean obviously they're gonna do something much different with it but i kind of don't feel good for whoever has to follow up mystique just because everyone has in their minds that that movie version is what it should be they're gonna be like why is she wearing clothes now is that i don't know the x-men comics was the movie version not super accurate not really. I mean, she's like a completely different person, even from the first set of movies to the second, you know? Well, that's good. I think the more different they can make these characters while still making them similar enough that they're the same characters is going to be better. You know, the better. I just think they got to be based off the comics. You yeah. know, they, they yeah. can't be the variation of a variation, you know, and it just gets further and further from the source material. Oh yeah. That's tough also because now they've kind of put that in Canon that those are versions of these characters just in another universe. So that is what these characters should sort of be like, you know, they brought Patrick Stewart in already. There's so many different versions of the X-Men. So, ultimate x-men in you know in this universe that we're covering that is like completely different too and part of that is um mark millar the guy we're reading ultimates from he had never read the x-men even though it was like the biggest comic in the world he was like oh yeah i based it all off of that first movie so yeah. and then the movies the other movies changed so it's like the ultimate x-men are different from the regular X-Men, the 
movie X-Men are different from that. And then the reboot movie and then the cartoons, everyone has like different ideas of who these characters even yeah. are. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I can dig it. That was a good, something interesting. You got anything else? I don't think so. I think this one's already running long. I know this one is running long. Zach's going to have his work cut out for him editing. We had some, we had some errors during the recording process. Yeah. Well, I guess this can be my, my something interesting and I'll keep it brief is um, I'm also uh, guesting on another podcast tomorrow. So plug it. You guys can hear me on the on wax podcast. Um, it's available only on Spotify because they're getting that Joe Rogan money. And um, I'm going to talk about music with them. Ooh. It's a music podcast. I've, I've been a guest be- for a long time that he should do a music podcast. And then I saw how much work this one is. <laughs> I've I've been a guest on there before, but I don't think I've been back since we started this podcast. So um, I'll plug them and. When I'm over there, I'll plug this. And Ooh, we'll get, nice. We'll get some cross-contamination. I love it. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. Thank you for listening to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast. I'm Zach. That was John. We'd like to thank the Better Business Bureau for sponsoring our pod. We'd like oh, to thank of course. Alyssa Seaman for doing our art and Ian Hickey for making our music. Catch us next week, webheads.